Titus chapter 3, verses 4 through 5. The title of the message this morning is, According to His Mercy. We had a good time with the children in Sunday school this morning. Uh, Sister Elizabeth I had some sick kids, so she stayed home. And I went over there and did the tech. And uh, my wife watched the kids and set them up on a larger screen in there on my computer and uh, let Sister Elizabeth sit there and talk to those kids just like she was there. And they were turning in their Bibles and answering questions when she would ask them. And it was a really wonderful thing. So thank you, Sister Elizabeth, uh, for your diligent work. Now, last week we learned that God has commanded us to be patient toward lost people. Even though they may be hostile and rude and inconsiderate toward us. And Paul explained why we should be patient and kind toward them. In verse 3, he said, For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving diverse lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy and hateful and hating one another. So before we knew Christ as our Savior, before we knew the love of God that was given to us through His Son on the cross... We too were like the people of this world. We too were serving diverse lusts and pleasures. We too were envious and foolish and proud. We too were on our way to hell just like them. Verse 4. But. Thank God for that wonderful little word that comes in and interrupts our condemnation. We were blind and foolish. We were wandering around in the darkness of this world, waiting for our time to die. You realize that's what some people's lives consist of? They just go to work, go to school, come home, play, do whatever they do throughout life. And they're just waiting on their time to die and go to hell. That's really what it amounts to. And apart from Christ, that's what we were all doing at one time. Knowing nothing but the vanity of this fleeting world. We were lost in our sins. Having fallen so short of the glory of God. Dead in our trespasses and sins we committed. Deserving God's judgment. And completely incapable of delivering ourselves. But something wonderful happened. Someone came to stand between us and God's judgment. To give us life. To make us righteous. To give us wisdom and to raise us up to glory. And all of this happened, Paul said, if you look back in your text. After that, the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared. What a strange way to describe that. But what a beautiful way when you consider it. You know, God never changes. It says after that, the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared. It didn't say after God started loving us and being kind to us. God never changes. He's always been kind. God has always loved us. But when Jesus came, God's kindness and love toward us appeared. It didn't appear as a vision in the night. My poor wife, I tell you what. <laughs> Last night, I don't know what time it was, I dreamt that some big fat woman 
broke into my house, had a gun in her purse, and was going to try to shoot me. And I was grabbing her purse. We were in a struggle over that purse, and I was trying my best to pull that purse out of that woman's hands, and I was pulling on my wife in bed in my sleep. And she said, Richard. And I just said, yes. The dream was over, and I realized what was going on. You know, God's love didn't appear to us in some crazy night vision like that. You know, some people think they're, that, that, that things are signs from God. They'll dream something weird and think, oh, I think God was trying to tell me that. You know, I, I remember someone on Facebook the other day asking their pastor to interpret a dream they had. He said, come see me at church. Come see me at church. You'd interpret it for them. You know, God's love and kindness toward us, it didn't appear in some mysterious sign in the sky. People sometimes look up in the sky, they see a cloud in some type of form, and they think God's given them a sign. A man I know, his wife died of cancer a couple of years ago, and, and he posted a picture of a cloud. It looked like he had taken the picture on social media the other day, and... and uh, last week in fact and, and the cloud kind of looked like I don't know maybe if you imagined it could kind of look like wings you know a couple a set of wings and so he posted it and said that it was his late wife's angel and uh, but what happens when that cloud begins to morph into a dragon or a hog or something like that you know how clouds do and the shapes change or something what does the appearance of the cloud mean now the kindness and love of God our Savior toward us did not appear in some mysterious and subjective form like this. So that we have to guess the significance of it. Have to wonder about the authenticity of God's love and in the form that it appeared. I remember several years back watching a television report. I don't know if any of y'all saw it or not. But I remember watching this television report where a piece of toast in a man's kitchen pops out of the toaster looking like a crusty brown image of the Catholic long-haired Jesus. Did anyone else see that besides me? You saw it? You saw it? Mike, you saw it. You saw the Cheeto version. I haven't seen the Cheeto. I saw the toast. I definitely saw the toast, but Cheeto's new. I haven't seen the new Cheeto. And they were trying to determine, they were contacting the Catholic Church, trying to see if they would wave the blessing on it, and, and, and consider it an actual appearance of Jesus Christ to that man and that toast. You know what I'd have done, Brother Doug? I'd have put jelly on it, brother. You know? <laughs> I thank God that's not how God's love and kindness appeared to us. I don't like mysterious and uncertain things, do you? I don't like that kind of stuff. I appreciate clear certain rock-solid facts that we can depend on, especially when it comes to my eternal welfare. God's love didn't appear to us in a piece of toast. It appeared to us in the form of an intelligent, articulate, flesh-and-blood man who answered tough questions, who taught us truth, who exposed lies, who healed the sick, 
who raised the dead, who died for our sins on a cross, just like He said He would, just like the prophet said He would back in the Old Testament. That's how the amazing kindness and love of God for us appeared. That amazing love that appeared to us was, look back in verse 5, not by works of righteousness which we have done. Here's a kingdom truth for you. It appeared, how? Not by works of righteousness which we have done. God's love for us comes not by our works for Him. Repeat that again. God's love for us comes not by our works for Him. That's a kingdom truth that's just as plain and clear as it can possibly be right here in verse 5. Our works of righteousness do not cause God's works of righteousness. Here's another truth for you. Our works of righteousness do not cause God's works of righteousness. Now, salvation, if you're taking notes, salvation is not God's love responding to our works. Paul said the love and kindness of God toward us appeared, but it was not by works of righteousness which we have done. And so salvation is not God's love responding to our works. It is our faith responding to God's love. You see? We'll say it again in case you're taking notes. Salvation is not God's love responding to our works. It is our faith responding to God's love. Let's look at the breakdown of this verse together, okay? Salvation is, according to what we've read, it's not by works of righteousness which we have done. Salvation is a work of righteousness. Don't you think it was a righteous thing that God showed us mercy, that Jesus fulfilled the law, that he loved his neighbor as himself and gave his life? Jesus said, uh, there's no greater love than this. The man lays down his life for his friends. So salvation is a work of righteousness, but it is God's work, not ours. Paul said salvation is, is not by works of righteousness, which we have done. Look back in your text. But according to his mercy, he saved us. Take your pens, if you would, please. And in your Bible, if you don't mind writing in your Bible, underline these words, according to His mercy, He saved us. Oh, isn't that sweet? Man, you could just suck on that. Put it like a lemon drop in your mouth and suck on that for a while. According to His mercy, He saved us. So salvation is not according to our works, it is according to God's mercy. A man wrote me last week believing he was condemned because of his wicked past, because of the bad works that he had done in the past. And he told me specifically that he believed that you have to do good works to stay saved. Good works to go to heaven. If you start doing bad works and you quit doing good works, then you're not going to make it. What does the text say here? 
Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us. I told him, I said, you have a false gospel. Why did this man believe that he was condemned? Because he was measuring his acceptance by God according to his works instead of measuring according to God's mercy. He was measuring according to his works of righteousness rather than God's work of righteousness in Christ on his behalf. Why do I know that I'm not condemned? I am measuring my acceptance according to God's mercy, not according to my works. If I measured according to my works, I would believe wholeheartedly that I would be condemned. But because I measured according to God's mercy, then I know I'm not condemned because he that believeth on him, the scripture says, is not condemned. By God's mercy towards us through the gospel we are saved. Look back in your text. By the washing of regeneration. The washing of regeneration. I enjoy a good shower when I get up in the morning. I get up so sleepy headed. And when I get in that shower and I can smell that shampoo and the hot water and everything, it gets me alive and I get out clean and I love being clean. But I use soap and water in that shower. I don't wash in regeneration, you know. But here God's talking about a whole different kind of washing. Soap and water is the most common method of washing, but God's mercy doesn't wash with soap and water. Do you know why? When I get in the shower, I'm washing away dirt. I'm washing away, the, as the scripture puts it in the book of, uh, uh, in Peter's epistle, the filth of the flesh. But, but God's not washing away the filth of the flesh with salvation. He's washing away sin. And so it takes something different than soap and water. Soap and, washer wa soap and water washes away dirt, but regeneration washes away sin. What does that word regeneration mean? It's a kind of a big word. Well, basically it means to be made new. It means literally to be born again. You know, sometimes we say, well, uh, you know, if you have four people lined up. Uh, the other day my wife was taking a picture with her mom, her, herself, her daughter, and her granddaughter. What will we call those four people? We call them four what? Generations, wouldn't we? You see, one person was born. They gave birth to another. Another generation was born. Another generation was born. And then another generation was born. And so regeneration means someone was born again. Re, they returned. They got born a second time. And so uh, the Bible says here, Paul tells Titus, that is washing. That's how we were born, by, born again. We were, we were saved by God's mercy, by the washing of regeneration. Now, how does regeneration wash away my sins? How does that happen? My wife and I were watching an old western the other night, and, and, and in that show there was a man who in his younger days was an outlaw. He was raised up by a, a, a bad uncle, and, and, uh, and so that uncle raised him to break the law, and they, they robbed and they killed and things like that. And, but as he grew up, he realized that was wrong. He turned his life around, and, 
and he started living in a community and and uh, and and uh, began to live a nice, peaceful, wholesome life. Had the trust of his neighbors, and and he hated all of his past. The problem was he was having trouble running away from that past. They still had wanted posters up for him in certain towns, you know, and people don't know what he's like today. They remember what he was like back then. And so he was wanted for his part in those murders and those robberies when he was young. And even though he was very sorry for what he did, he still had to hide from the law and go by a different name. Unfortunately for him, the law found out who he really was. It caught up with him. But, but what if that outlaw, what if that outlaw had died? What if they caught him, hung him for his crimes that he committed when he was young, and they buried him in the cemetery? The law would no longer hold any charges against that man, isn't it right? It'd be done. But suppose that after he died, after he was hung and he was buried and put away, suppose that that same human soul that was inside that body, suppose that same human soul was born as a brand new little baby with a brand new identity from a totally different mother. The same soul that once occupied that body was now born into a different body. What would happen then? Brand new mother, brand new name, brand new identity, brand new uh, uh, life. Well, that person would enjoy the benefit of living again without having any charges hanging over his head. I mean, the charges that he, that he had committed in the past, that belonged to the old man that was dead. You see? Not to the new man who was born again. James Johnson committed something wrong in his truck and he ran over some people in an outrage one day. And James Johnson died in the truck. And he came back again. He came back as Doug Sexton. Well, no one's looking for Doug Sexton. They're all mad at James Johnson. So by his new birth... By regeneration, that person's sins were completely and forever washed away, you see. This is how God's mercy saves us. This is how the washing of regeneration works. By God's mercy, He washes us with regeneration, allowing us to die with Jesus on the cross. That's like being hung, right, for our crimes. Allowing us to die with Jesus on the cross and then be born again with Jesus' resurrection with a brand new identity in Christ. Isn't that wonderful how that works? Paul said God saves us not only by washing, but also by renewing. You see, if we're going to receive life through a new birth, that life has to come from someplace. Right? Has to come from someplace. Has to be a new mother. Did you know the Bible calls the gospel the mother of us all? Did you know that? It sure does. It says the, the new Jerusalem which is above. The new Jerusalem. That, that It's speaking of the new covenant of the gospel. The apostle Paul says is the mother of us all. We say the outlaw, he died and was hung and he was buried. And, but now some new mother gives birth to him and has a whole new identity. 
See, the first time we were born, we were born with Adam's identity. But when we're born again through faith in Christ, we're born with his identity. We were born under the old covenant of the law that condemns us. We were born under the new covenant of God's grace that washes away that old identity, puts it in the tomb with Jesus, raises us up again with a brand new life. You say, well, well, I, God, I've done so much wrong, Brother Fulton. You've done so much wrong that you'll still go to hell. No, I haven't done any wrong. That's that guy back there in that grave. You see? There's no sins hanging over my head. That guy's dead. That's how the washing of regeneration works. It removes every stain, every sin of Richard Fulton. That's why the Bible, the, the old song says, there's a new name written down in glory. And it's mine. So Paul says, God saves us by the washing of regeneration. Look back in your text. And renewing of the Holy Ghost. Again, that life has to come from somewhere. The Holy Ghost who gave life to the world at creation. Who, who gave life to the, the, the trees and the grass and the animals. The Holy Ghost that when God breathed into Adam's nostrils a breath of life. The Holy Ghost that gave Adam life. Gives life to me and you. At the point of regeneration when we're born again. When we put our faith in Christ's death for us on the cross, we die with Him legally. And then we're buried with Him. And through His resurrection, we're raised again with Him. All that happens when we accept Christ as our Savior. God is life. God's Spirit gives life. When God breathed into Adam's nostrils, He breathed in Him the breath of what? Life, the Bible says. But when Adam sinned, when he rebelled against God in the Garden of Eden, God's Spirit moved out. And when God's Spirit moved out on account of Adam's sin, God's life moved out on account of that sin. But when we accept Christ as our Savior, there's the renewing of the Holy Ghost. The light comes in. The light of the gospel of Christ. And when that light comes in, when I realize what Jesus did for me and I accept him as my Savior, the light comes in. Therefore, the life comes in. And so the old man has died with Jesus on the cross. But now, the new life in Christ Jesus comes back to me. And the Apostle Paul said... That if we're in Christ, in the same spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead, shall also quicken or make alive our mortal bodies when he comes again. That's what the gospel does. The same spirit that gave life to that uh, dead body of Jesus in the grave is going to give life to us one day when he comes again. By the washing of regeneration... My sins have been put away. I have a new identity. By the renewing of the Holy Ghost, since my sins are gone, the Spirit has returned. I now am brand new in Christ. And I have a life and I can, that I can never die, that will never leave me, nor forsake me. It's renewed, not by our works, but according to God's mercy. And with that, we'll go ahead and close this morning.
I hope that this message helped you today. The devil will constantly try to turn your eyes on to your works in a way from God's mercy. The scriptures will constantly try to turn you away from your works and put your eyes on God's mercy. And then on account of God's mercy, it, the Bible wants you to work. Does that make sense? The devil gets it all backwards. He wants you to work to receive God's mercy. But the gospel says, no, you receive God's mercy, not by your works, but by God's works. And now that you've accepted his work, you can go to work for him. Make sense? So you're working out of love and out of thankfulness rather than out of necessity to try to go to heaven. Make sense? All right. Thank you, Lord, for your wonderful word. Thank you, Father, for making it so clear. Lord, that not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to your mercy, you saved us. By the washing of regeneration, giving us a brand new name, letting us die in Christ and that old person and all of his deeds that we'll ever do were put on Jesus that day on the cross. Our past sins, our present sins, our future sins. Jesus died for every sin we would ever commit in this life. And Father, I thank you, Lord, that that old man was hung on the cross and died with Jesus. And through his death and resurrection, our sins have been washed away. Thank you so much. It is on that truth, Lord, we stand we believe and we have our confidence for everlasting life.